Hello, hello. Welcome to the Women Respecters Podcast, a wholesome podcast where we talk about anime, sports, video games, and other things among that. Um, I am one of your hosts today. My name is Kay, and I'm joined by my co-host, Adrian. How are you doing? I'm good, you know. Unfortunately, my daughter hasn't gone to bed yet. It's past her bedtime, so <laughs> if you hear any background noise in the background, that's her wilding out, but I'm hoping she can stay contained in her room. How old is your daughter? Uh, she's 11 months now, so turning wow. one next month, unfortunately. So, how, has, how has that been for you? I mean, fatherhood's a cool thing. It's I didn't think it was going to be this cool at first. I thought it was going to be much more stressful. Don't get me wrong, it is stressful, but it's <clears> not as hard as people make it seem to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool, that's cool. Um... Okay, so this uh, this episode, uh, our other co-host Wiley, he's unable to join us, but he's here for some spirit. So we just want to kind of, yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't want to be this one to say it, but you know, he's out. He's he's currently out respecting his woman. So shout out to him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, so for this podcast, uh, there are a number of things we kind of wanted to talk about. Um, Kind of, we didn't necessarily have like a set topic, but we kind of have some a few things we just kind of want to speak about. Um, so I'm just I'm gonna just get into it. You know, being that you know we are the three of us are all black men in America um, with the recent uh, police in police activities going on across the country, especially like the George Floyd situation. We've kind of had our opinions about it. Um, we kind of wanted to just kind of start with that. So, uh, yeah, man, uh, Adrian, what were you, how do you feel about the whole situation? Um, it's, it's scary. It, it really is. Like, it's hard being a black man in America. And I know a lot of people will be like, they try to preach to all lives matter and everything else. But like they say, like black lives, black lives matter doesn't mean like, we're not saying all lives matter. We're just saying black lives matter as well and I'm, yeah. I'm very proud of a lot of my white friends who are stepping up during this time and speaking out against the injustices that have been happening um me and my white friend yeah. uh tessa we've mentioned her before on the podcast we were yes. speaking earlier today because she was getting upset about when i told her i went to the store and mm-hmm. what's called this these two white girls. I was just trying to go in the store, you know, chilling, going to get groceries. And these two white ladies, like they saw me walking into the store, so they like rushed to their car and then they like locked their doors and they just stared at me the entire time while I was just trying to walk mm-hmm. out of my car and just walk to the and I was like, That's just wild. Like what did y'all think I was gonna do to you? Yeah. <laughs> like I'm just walking in the store. Like, especially with everything going on right now, that's how y'all wanna act too. So I was like really upset about that, and she was like, "They're lucky I wasn't there." Blah blah. blah. And she's like, "I would have spoke up against." So I was like, "Yeah, I was just like whatever. I just wanted to go and get what I need to get. I wasn't about the trip." But it's just things like that that if a lot of other people, like a lot of white people, don't have to deal with or have to go through, and it's just frustrating. But like I said, yeah. I am proud of the white friends that have been stepping up and speaking out and everything, because. I know they say, like, during this time, like, silent, you can't be silent anymore. I don't know what I say. They're saying a lot of, just because you're silent doesn't mean you're racist. It's like, well, I mean, it doesn't mean you're not racist either. This time. You see what's going on. You need to speak up regardless of your views or not. You need, you need to speak up during this time. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I don't know. My my general feeling towards it is like I'm I'm kind of at the point where I'm I'm just tired of this. To be, I'm, I'm trying not to curse about it, but like I'm just tired of this stuff, man. Like to kind of put it in context, the, what was it? The Trayvon Martin thing was like what 2011, 2012, something like that. Mm. Like like basically like eight years ago, you know, and. That was pretty. That's pretty public. It was pretty wild, and it was like seeing the media spin on that and all the other stuff, and like the court situation, and you know, all the way till now. Not to skip to now, but like 
kind of just 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 making a point of like all the things that have happened in between all the killings all the shootings all the murders frankly that have happened in the time span of like these eight years and even though there's stuff that went on way before that but just like that one was public and there have been many things that were very public many killings that have been public up to this point and it's just like nothing's really changed you know like i guess in this situation you could be like, oh, well, supposedly he got fired, you know, so that's that's a that's a step in the right direction. But then it's like, you know, I was listening to something the other day and it's like they had they had like a, a large number of police like watching over his house house like after hours. So they somebody put it kind of interesting. They were using taxpayer money to protect a murderer. Yeah. You know, like they well, had they had police watching the yeah. I understand to a certain extent because if you would have got on social media yesterday and uh, anytime this week, a lot of people have been posting his address and everything, the two cops' addresses and everything, and being like, this is where they are, this is usually when they're home, and all this other stuff. So I can get why they're like, their life's in danger, but I wouldn't put the police at that. What should have happened is he should have been taken into custody because he committed a murder, not... Yeah. him just being fired people are like yeah he was fired so he got his just due and it's like no he committed a murder and last time i checked murder was illegal and you should be locked up for murder he should yeah. so i don't i don't understand that that having the police officers outside his door yeah it, it's it's a lot man it's it just that gesture by itself i know i get you know, you want to put, you're supposed to protect the people, but it's like, come on, man. Like they're supposed to protect and serve and all that stuff. But it's like, like, what does that look like? A white man kills a black man, you know, under the guise of, of serving the law. And then he gets fired, but then that same guy gets protected by the government. You know what I'm saying? That just, that just looks weird. It just, it, like you can like you can slice it you can slice it however you want to slice it and i get like the aspect i get what you're saying but it still feels wrong man mm-hmm. it still feels like he's getting off a little bit like he's getting off of this like yeah he lost his job but i think it's i'm i'm, I'm i don't want to bite my tongue on this i feel like not all white people but they're there are white people that have evolved over time to realize there are certain things you do and say to avoid appearing racist. Oh, avoid yeah. appearing like, and I, I, it's certain things that happen where it's like, it feels like they don't really want to do it. Like he may not have really got fired if, if this didn't go viral, you know what I'm saying? Like he would have kept living his life, you know, mm-hmm. if it didn't get as big as it was, he might have, that guy, the police officer would have stayed employed. You know what I'm saying? I mean, like, police officers, I, I I get the like camaraderie and the brothers in arms thing because I'm not going to name names or anything or name the location, but um, I've been to a couple military bases and I remember at one of the bases I was at, um, the people in the security forces, I know there's some military police, but at the end of the day, it's still like the brother in arm thing. And they, one of them was, um, seeing an underage like girl like i think i believe she what? was like yeah she was like 15 or something and what? yeah and so they obviously he got caught and he was like taken into like custody and everything and they, he was in the cell and but instead of like them just like turning their back on him being like he's in the cell he did what he did was wrong a lot of people would bring, like, they would sneak him food. Like, they bring him, like, KFC, they bring him Burger King and everything. Because they're like, I mean, like, we've been at, like we've been with him for years. Like, this is our brother and everything. They're still, like, like he's in custody, but he wasn't really, you know, dealing with the same thing. If somebody else would have did the same thing. That's crazy, man. Yeah. So, I was like, I always thought that was crazy. Uh, I remember when I was happening, I was like, that's really wild, actually. 
And like the same thing happened to a, another dude who ran a red light and he had already gotten in trouble before because he's a police officer, like um, speeding and everything else. And he ran a red light and he hit what's called another person who was on a motorcycle. Mm. And what's called, I think he, yeah, it like it, I don't remember. I know the dude survived, but I know he, he got messed up pretty bad, the dude that got hit. And they protected him the same way as in like they were still bringing him stuff and everything else. And it's like, yeah, I already warned this dude, knew he always sped. Y'all were just like, don't do that, blah, blah, blah. But then he kept doing it. And then something came out of it. And it's like his punishment is still not as severe or his punishment might be like bad from what they're telling us. But the way that he's treated is not as bad as somebody else who committed the same crime. And the the. The messed up thing about it is there are people that have gone to jail for doing lesser stuff. Yeah. And they don't get that same like treatment. And it's like you can even go to the go to the, the reality that the people that go to jail, when they come out of jail and they have to I have done job applications before. Like I'm, I know you've probably done them. It's like that jail that have you ever been convicted of a crime? question always comes up. People can't get jobs once they, even though it's like, you're not supposed to, you're not supposed to, uh, what do you call it? Discriminate based on stuff like that. Like people still do it. And that keep, that locks people out of the system of being a normal citizen and getting reacclimated into society, which is what prison sentences are supposed to do. They're supposed to rehabilitate you and make it so that you, 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 you pay your debt to society and then you come back out as a changed person and you just become a normal person again. But it's like, nah, that stays with you. It's like a tattoo on your face basically. And, and it's like people go to jail for small stuff, but this guy killed a man, hasn't gone to jail and is being protected by the police. It's just like that. How do you have both of those things going the same existing in the same world? You know what I'm saying? In the same country at that. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just a lot, man. And like my bigger feelings about this is like, this shit, so I'm fucking, I'm fucking, I'm cursing. <laughs> this shit can happen at any point to any one of us. Like, yeah, like, like I, I just said, know, man. like whenever I, like, remember that video of that white lady calling the cops on that, that man and saying that he was threatening her and everything and made a false like claim calling the police saying yeah. that and I was like that could that can literally happen at any time like what hap- what happens if whenever I was like I said those two white ladies they like locked the door and they were like staring me down and wouldn't like move until like I like got all the way into the store what happens if they like we feel threatened and they pull a similar stunt and they call the police on me that situation saying they felt threatened when all I was doing yeah. was just walking in the store. And that, that goes through my mind. Like that, like something as that, like some, a little that could have happened. And I'm like, I was just minding my business, just trying to right. walk in a store. Like I can't even walk in a store anymore. And it's like, you know, man. So. And that, and that's deeper with that because, you know, being the his, history of America is what it is. Like, you got you got black men that got killed all the time back in the day because either white white women actually did that they reported oh this guy did something to me or he he raped me or something or white men came up with that excuse just as a reason to go kill a black guy it's like oh he did this he assaulted a white woman and it's like it's crazy because it's it's technically a different thing nowadays with them calling oh I was harassed but it's it's the same shit. Yeah, because if it doesn't get filmed in that situation, whose side do they take? Do they sit there and listen to the the minority, male or female, and be like, oh, well, did you really assault them or harass them or blah, blah, blah? Or do they listen to the person that's saying that they're being harassed and they did all these things to them? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do they take the white woman's perspective or do they take the minority male's perspective? Nine times out of ten, they're going to take the white woman's perspective and something's going to happen to them. Not necessarily get killed, but they're going to be, they're going to get handcuffed, they're going to get taken somewhere and get talked to and, like, get questioned when they, like, nothing happened at all. They're just minding their business. So, like Will Smith said, like, racism isn't just now coming back, it's just being filmed now. 
That's all. That's the only difference. Like people are yeah. they're getting caught on camera. Because think about how many things are happening out there that aren't getting caught on camera and getting just hidden and brushed under the rug. But yeah, man. Yeah, I don't want to just focus on the negative though. Um, there's like I said, like there's a lot of pos- like the there's some positives coming out of it. Like I said, there's a lot of my uh, I'm proud of a lot of my white friends for stepping up. Um. And my what's called uh, my Hispanic pastor, who's married to um, a white man, she and he's really into the community. They're 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 part of a thing called City Church McKinney, and like mm-hmm. they're really into the community, like like into the the worst parts of the area to where the kids are. Like most of them don't are single moms, don't have a dad, struggling mm-hmm. in every way. Like around drugs, around everything, gang violence, and everything else, and they are sitting in the community. I like working with them because they're in the community, and you see this little Hispanic woman and this white man sitting there, going there all the time, taking the kids out, doing everything, little thing, trying to get into the community. And um, I saw a bunch of pictures that they had posted yesterday because uh, my pastor called me this morning to tell me about it. And she was like, it really touched her heart because it was her husband's birthday um, today. And so when they were doing their rounds like normal yesterday, um, he said all the kids out there, they had they, they had balloons, they had like posters. And you just see all these kids just having hope for them, being like, happy birthday. Thank you for all you've done. They've been working with them for like the past like nine eight nine years so you can tell that it's starting to make a difference in that community one child at a time yeah. so i just i just want to spread a little positivity and not keep it just negative yeah i see here's my thing with that i appreciate that especially from people outside of our race trying to make difference because it's like we can try to build up ourselves but if people always kicking us down, it's not going to matter. So like, I appreciate that type of stuff when I see white people and Latino people like trying to help out, you know, people of any race trying to actually, like actually on the ground trying to help us. My only thing, I don't, I don't want this to be perceived as negative, just as like perspective. Stuff like that is essentially trying to, put a bandaid on a situation rather than stop a situation at its root. You know what I'm saying? Well, I a mean, lot of, I, I well, get what you're let, talking. Just let me, let me, okay. let me make a point real quick. A lot of black, black people with a lot of situations are in poverty because we were placed there in this country. Mm-hmm. And that's based on racial, like racism, which came from like social perception and all these other generations of things that have happened. And at the end of the day, for this stuff to stop happening, we have to change the perception of black people in this country. Going out and like helping a community, helping like the that stuff helps in the meantime, like, you know, like teaching people like financial literacy, basic literacy, like keep working in schools, trying to provide like trying to eradicate food deserts and stuff like that. Like that, that stuff all is powerful. It's helped like because it addresses the problem where it is right now. All I'm saying is there's a greater issue that by doing these things never actually gets addressed and it allows for these things to continue to happen. And I feel like if we are ever to, if we're ever really as a country, as a nation looking to get rid of this problem, we have to attack it at its root, which is there are people that see black people as the bottom in this country. Yeah. Um, and that it's crazy to, to say that because I was about to say something. But first, let me um, talk about the reason that they do it the way they do it is because they, in their views, cause I've talked to her plenty of time because she asks me all the time because she's like, it's hard for her, especially when they get new kids. You know, when there's kids that they try to go to a new area that they haven't been to before, she reaches out to me and be like, yeah. how do I can Like, because she always has trouble in the beginning trying to connect. Because, you know, you got the little, like, um, like little kids from the hood and everything, they're not going to connect right off back to a, a white man right. and a Latino woman for, with money. You know what I mean? They're going to see them yeah. be like, what do y'all want? Blah, blah, blah. They're not going to trust them at first. 
But she reaches out and she asks me how to like connect with them all the time. But the reason that they do it is because they said they want to start with they value like kids over everything. Cause they like they like to start at the youth because it's not just black kids. There are white kids there too, and it's just, they're like we want to start at the youth at the bottom so that when they get older, they're more empowered to change things for themselves. Like, so, cause like, yeah. cause it's hard to change. It's always like it's hard to change like a man who's already set in his ways, like an old man. It's hard to change them. But if yeah. you get to them while they're a child and nip it in the bud, then and make changes, then then like it's it, it's it has a it's more successful that way because yeah, yeah. That I I respect that a lot. Yeah, um, I, that's I, how I get that, got that point of looking at it. No, no, you're, you weren't finished. Keep going. No, no, no. No, I was just saying, yeah, like, um, because that's how, like, me and my cousins, we went through the same thing when she was first starting up. Like, we were a part of it when we were younger, and now we're older, and we're helping give back and everything, too. And it's like, it, she's helped steer us in the right direction, and I I'm think I'm pretty, I'm think I'm doing pretty well for myself now, instead of, like, coming from that environment and getting stuck in those ways. But, um, yeah. I wanted to say something about your thing about them seeing us at the bottom because uh, yep. i remember my sociology class um my teacher he, he was really outspoken on things and he was saying he was saying that uh if you go back to like like the date like though white most white people are are programmed to think to have where the 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 lowest white man, like a homeless white man or something like that, like the lowest white man at the very bottom is still more valuable than the most, like the most successful black man at the top. So like, they're always going to think of you like that. I remember he was doing a lesson, but I can't remember the exact details. He was giving all these facts and everything, but I, yeah. I've always stuck with that in my head. He's always like, they always see like the lowest black man. I mean, the lowest white man will still in their minds will always be, higher than the most successful black man. Someone like Barack Obama, the president of the United States, all the way at the top, there's still white people that saw him lesser than someone on the street that was white. Or mm. someone yeah. not as successful as him. Yeah. They were calling him Mr. Obama instead of President Obama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's... I've, I've I've been trying to be optimistic about this. To be like, you know, I don't want it to be negative, like you're saying. It's just, it's it's just been a lot, man. And I've 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 done my I've through the aid of other people been doing history the last couple of years on just like stuff, events, and things that have happened in this country. And it's just it's a lot, man. It's a lot that black people have gone through and still go through, and it's just like. It feels so heavy, man, because it's like, like you're saying, you you at the grocery store, you don't know if they're going to do anything. Like, I think about stuff like if the second I leave my house, I can be a target. Mm-hmm. I think about like, you know, me and Wiley are cousins. I, 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 I haven't told him this. I haven't told anybody this. But like the last last like couple weeks, I've just been thinking like, damn, you know, like, you know, we, we're texting or something. We're in like the PlayStation group chat. It get quiet for a second. I've had that thought of like, damn, did did some police do some some wild shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't I don't want to have to think like that. Mm-hmm. You know, like people I know, not even just people I know, people, black people, my people, our people are just being killed for for virtually no reason, and then it's no consequence for it. And it's just like I value life. Life is one of the most beautiful gifts we have. And for other people to not value our lives and take it from us is just like, what like what is our purpose being here? If it can be snatched from us at any point, mm-hmm. and that's I know that's depressing. I know that's a lot. I know that's heavy. But it's just like it's a it's it's just like where do where's the progress? Where is the thing that I look at and go, this is this is what's going to keep us going. This is this is a sign that things are going to change. And I know change takes it takes time. I know significant change with everything we've gone through is going to take generations of work from everybody for there to be real, real change. But it's just like, what do I do in the meantime? You know, how do I ease my mind? How do I ease my thoughts in this, this, this point in time? 
It's, it's hard to think about, especially like me having a daughter. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to have fear before. I'm like, when she gets older, mm-hmm. is it still going to be like this? Or yeah. is change going to happen? Because I don't, I don't want to have my daughter have to go through what I've had to go through in this world. And you, you, you would think we've made some sort of progress between now and the beginning. Since, like you were talking about earlier, the Trayvon Martin thing, to even yeah. before that, like when things were happening before that, it's like you would think we would have grown as like a nation. And you see, it's the year 2020, and we're still like we're still here. We're still dealing with the same issues, and it doesn't look like. It doesn't look like much is changing, and a lot of people are getting upset with the protests and the rioting and all this other stuff. And it's like, well, how? What, what do you want us to do? Like, we march peacefully. Y'all say y'all don't like that. Y'all don't want us doing that. We Kaepernick takes the knee. You don't like that. Somebody else mm-hmm. does something else. Y'all don't like that. And it's like everything we've tried, y'all haven't liked. Y'all don't. Y'all don't like. Any, no matter what we do, peacefully or violently. Like y'all don't care, y'all y'all are against it regardless. So when we so we're right. like at, as a at some point we have we've gotten fed up. We it's because it's exhausting, and now that we fed up and people yeah. are starting to riot and everything, y'all are like, why would y'all do this? Blah blah blah. That's so dangerous. It's like, well, we're just trying to get heard at this point. Like y'all are obviously not hearing us. We've been doing all these things and you don't see us. Like we just we just want to be heard, and y'all aren't trying to hear us. And yeah. until we're hurt, it's just gonna it's it's just gonna get worse. And I hate to say it, it's things things are gonna get a lot worse before they get better. And I don't want them to have to get worse because, like I said, I have my daughter, and I don't want her to have to go through this. But just for me to have my great grandkids, my great 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 grandkids, then I have to go through it. I know it's gonna have to get a lot a lot worse before it gets better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. You know, hopefully, hopefully, in in our generation, you know, by the time we like, you know, in our sixties and seventies, we will have had enough impact to where like the wheels can really start turning. You know, it was like actual things will be, and actual laws will be in place, and actual social protections will be there for people and like and it won't just be like talking and we won't be still in the same place we are today so like i'm 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 optimistic that we can change over time but you know i'm 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 a hold out on to that hope no no buts there i'm a hold on to that hope and um that's all we have is hope yeah yeah that's that's all we that's all we really have right now we have but we have hope and we have action um but for the time being, for our future, all we can really have is hope and do what we can to, to make make those hopes become a reality. Um, so I guess uh, with that, I uh, want to send a, a rest in peace to George Floyd. Um, I want to send a rest in peace to everybody else that's been killed due to police, police, police brutality and other things of that nature, you know, via like the 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 woman calling people up, calling the police on the guy, like stuff like that, like yeah, yeah. I just just rest in peace to everybody that that's been killed due to police brutality, and everybody that's going to jail, everybody that's been falsely accused, falsely incriminated, especially all my black people, you know, men and women. Rest in peace to y'all. Um, but yeah. Um, I kind of want to take a quick break yeah, so we can kind of gather ourselves. We'll come back so, to uh, this. Yeah. Hey, and we are back. Um, had a, had a cool break there. Um, so I wanted to get into some basketball stuff. Um, you know, Seeing as we kind of have this overarching uh, series, so to speak, where we're like kind of going through the um, the greatest of all time, the top five of, of each position. Um, I was doing some some basketball research uh, earlier today, 
And so Adrian being that you're an analytics guy, I kind of wanted to pose a question to you. So um, with uh, with three-point shooting, right, being as, you know, in this era of basketball, they're kind of saying that, you know, the mid-range jumper is kind of obsolete. You either want like a layup or a three-point shot. And, you know, with the amount of players that are shooting higher volumes of three-point shots than they used to shoot in past generations of basketball and the amount of players that are actually pretty good at shooting three-pointers and actually making them from like well beyond the three-point line in this day and age, like, why is it that there aren't many three-point shooters? Why do you think that it is? Why are there are there many three-point shooters that routinely shoot over fifty percent from three-point line? From the three-point line. Um, and I remember you texted me that earlier today, and it had me thinking. Yeah. And I would, I, I would go based off mainly through shot shot selection, um, mm-hmm. their level of competition. And um, just the flow of the game because you got to think like somebody like Steph Curry or James Harden who averages above 10 point, 10 three pointer shots um, a game. Look yeah. at how they're shooting a lot of their shots. A lot of their shots come with um, a lot of difficulty with it. They either move in threes. They're not really just, you know, just wide open catch and shoot threes. They're usually somebody yeah. contesting them or somebody there. So you have to like apply that factor as well as the distance of where they're shooting to where like they're shooting a, a layup and they're slightly contested. That's much easier than shooting a three pointer and being slightly contested. Um, Cause if you look at it, it, I think the only way somebody could shoot that high of a percentage would be, they would have to be a role player. I don't think a star could ever shoot that just because of the volume of mm. shots they would have to take. Yeah. Uh, you look at like, cause the three point uh, percentage record with, I believe it is Steve Kerr with Steve Kerr having it. You got to think because most of his shots are coming while he's wide open because the defense is um, focused on somebody else. They're focused on Jordan or Pippen or uh, whenever he was with the Spurs, they're focused on Tim Duncan or somebody else. You know know what I mean? So I would think it would have to be somebody that's not taking eight, nine, ten threes a game. It would have to be somebody taking around like three to five threes a game, most of them wide open because – like they're they're on a team with some stars and they're taking most of the attention, so all they have to really focus on doing is just catching and shooting from the um, corner or the wing or wherever they're located. So the the difficulty of their shots isn't like that high. Yeah. Now, when you put it like that, that makes sense. But then when I like watch like footage and I see like James Harden, you know, with a defender on him, like what last season you know, take a couple dribbles, do a step back and just hit a like a three pointer like it's nothing. It's like it at times I've seen like Steph Curry kind of do stuff like that. I remember Kevin Durant uh saw Le- LeBron James in the finals just came and hit the three in his face. Like these players, they certainly have the ability to shoot as if the defenders aren't there. And these are like like people that are leading scores on their team. So it's like they have the ability to do it, but it's just like why? Like why is it sometimes it's easier for them? I guess that's not a question for you because, like, how would you know that? But like, yeah. I mean, I would they apply definitely seem like too. they have the ability and um the focus on every shot. Because yeah, if it's let's say because we all know NBA players, they might try to say the right thing and say they take every game the same way. And they prepare the same way. Well, we all know that's a lie. You can remember who was it when Ben Simmons and Cat that video of Ben Simmons and Cat. You know they play videos together and they stream like a lot of NBA players stream. Yeah. They were playing videos of games, and Cat was like, "I have to get off soon because we have a game tomorrow." And Ben Simmons was like, "Who are y'all playing?" And I can't remember the exact team they were playing. They were like. Uh, he was like, oh, that's an easy 40. Like, you don't need no rest for that. Like, you don't need to worry about that. That's, you know what I mean? So, like, yeah. the concentration be going into, you going into the game, you're not all the way invested in the game. Because no one's invested in every single game. Like, you take breaks, you take games off. At least now that you take yeah. games off, you be like, yeah, I don't really have to worry as much this game because I don't have to drop 30, 40. I can drop a cool 10, 15, chill, not really exert too much energy and I know we can win this game also like I said fatigue 
um, plays a factor in, and there's just a lot of circumstances. You might say, yeah, they're used to pulling up in people's faces, but they can't do that all the time because you have a defender like Kawhi or like somebody like that. Like there's there's times Kawhi has gotten shot over, and the player has made the shot, and it's like, ooh, that's a tough shot. That's all we say. That's a tough shot. He made that. Okay, but to continuously take tough shot over tough shot. That's that's not a good shot. You're not gonna make as many as those as you would if you were just standing wide open the whole game. So you see yeah. those players that make like twenty, thirty, forty, fifty shots in a row um, from the three point line, just sitting there. Like there's videos of LeBron doing that, and it's like, well, why can't LeBron shoot that well in the game? And it's like that's them shooting wide open in practice with no pressure or anything either, versus them shooting a three heavily guarded. And it's a five-point game. You know what I mean? There's a lot the circumstance plays. Well, I hear that. I hear what you're saying. But then it's like what I've been hearing also just watching the NBA the last couple of years is like when a, somebody's a great scorer, you can't really stop them. Like there's, there, And there's only but so many great defenders in the league at any given time. So even though somebody's coming up, and they're putting their hand up. That's not great defense. You're shooting right over there. And I've seen players do that. They, they, some players, they're just doing that because, oh, I have to make it look like I'm playing defense or I know I can't stop this guy. So it's like sometimes it's like they'll have defenders on them where it's like, all right, even though you're in front of me and you're, tech, you're technically, if I guess if you tried, you could block my shot, you're not blocking this. Yeah, so it's okay. like. I have a There's a lot of situations like that. I'm gonna be spinning. Okay, so using that logic, how come people like Shaq or Will or some dominant big men who dominate the paint, they don't always shoot like extremely high percentages and they in the paint and they're going just dunks and layups and hook shots and it's like they're dominant and they're so close to the basket. How come they don't constantly just shoot 70, 80% from the paint. You know, I was actually going to ask you that. I was <laughs> going to make it. Because it's like, I don't know if it's my perspective is a little thrown off about like, you know, video game statistics or whatever. Because it, it very well might be. But it's like, you know, big men or people down low getting rebounds, you know, that make like 80, let's say like 70% of their shots. Like I'm, I'm used to seeing stuff like that. And it's like, all right, well, it, some of them do it through contact. Some of them do it where it's just like, all right, it's just a layup, put back or whatever. But then some, a lot of times there's somebody there, and I'm wondering how they do it. But then hearing you say that, if the numbers don't reflect them shooting 70%, then, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Um, yeah. Okay, yeah, like – uh, yeah, I don't know. As much as you practice, you're not gonna you're not gonna shoot the exact same shot every single time. Like the greatest shooters yeah. of all time, Curry, Ray Allen, Reggie, all of them, they don't they were they don't shoot the exact same shot every single time because we're human. We're not yeah. machines. There's human error in it. You might try to shoot the perfect shot every single time, but there's because of human error, you're gonna mess up. It might not. It might feel good, but like. It could be the slightest thing, like the ball rotated off your index finger a little more to the left than it usually does when you're off the release of the shot, and that's a missed shot now. It's still on target, and you're like, okay, the shot's on target. I got to adjust. I shot a little bit too there, too much to the left, and I got to shoot a little – like I compensate shooting a little more to the right now. It's it's just human error is a part of it. If we were machines and they had stuff like that, yeah, you could make every shot, but – we're not, so. All right, so all right, Pete. So you you mentioned like Ray Allen, so I'm I'm gonna kind of use him as an example, right? Ray Allen, I don't I forget the number, but he he's somebody that was like known to come to games early and yeah. shoot like what like two hundred, two thousand. What what was the number? Two hundred? How many shots? I thought did it was he like five hundred. He wasn't until yeah. he made five hundred. Yeah, until he made five hundred. So you got okay. Obviously, the great peak, the great scorers, the great shooters, they practice their shooting and their moves and stuff like that way more than your average player. And so, like, you know, somebody like Ray Allen, he knows his rhythm. He knows his shot. He knows, like, all right, different places on the floor. If I get the ball, 
what what should I do? Like how how much you know? He knows like the mechanics of the release and all that stuff. And you know, you who had him on, you had him on your Celtics team, and then he was on like Wally's Miami Heat team after that. And he wasn't necessarily the primary option, right? No. So he was like one of the two people you needed to watch out for. You can't just leave him open. But it's like he was there to kind of be like shoot, kind of spot up and shoot and maybe drive to the lane if or cut if that was an option or if he couldn't shoot. Why is it he's not able to be in and not like the top dog position, even somebody as great a shooter as he couldn't have like maybe even a season where he shot 60% or more from three, where it's just like he's kind of in a more of a role-player role. Well, I mean, you got to think he didn't really get to that role-player role until late in his career. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, it was, it was later. It wasn't, but um, that's a that's a good question. But because of knowing who he is at the same time, I think even though mm-hmm. their defenses were like focused on LeBron, Bosch, and um, Wade, they still paid like a good amount of attention to Ray Allen, Mike Miller, and shooters such as those. Because remember, even on the like his biggest shot, arguably his greatest shot he made of all time, you see there was a um, good contest on him. But he was like, I, yeah. like you were talking about, he, he knows where the like he knew where he was on the floor. You said he being the gym practicing, so he knows like where he's supposed to be, and if he's at this spot, like, how many far feet he has to go back before he shoots again. So he was like, I knew I just had to take this many steps from where I was, and I could just catch and shoot. I didn't even have to look down the three-point line. He knew where he was. So, um, that's a, that's a, I don't, I don't know. I I still think the defense, like, there's going to be those games where they get hot, and then the defense starts focusing on them, and so there's, there's, there's not much they can do, but I'm still just, I'm going to stick with the human error point. But um, there was something yeah. else I wanted to discuss because yeah, uh, I knew up? that you were talking about the mid-range jumper. And you were like, you mm-hmm. didn't understand while, um, while the three-point shot was more important than the mid-range jumper. Because you were like, if they're both... You were I, saying, I can kind of get it from like, it's worth more points. And if virtually, if they're, they're not, neither of them are like close to the basket shot. So if you had... To pick one, go with the three pointer. So I get it from that perspective, but it's like mid range because it's closer. It seems like it'd be easier. It would make more sense than a three pointer. But what what was your question? Uh, oh no, I mean, like you asked the question. I was just answering. I just wanted to go back to that question. Oh yeah, well, sorry. What was your? What was? You, what do you want to? What um, do you want to say? when you asked for that originally, I was like, I was like, um, I knew that the percentage of the mid range jumper wasn't as high as the three-point jumper. And that's all I remember I was saying something like that. I was like, well, because if they're similar, then why would you not go for the one that's worth more points? So let's say, for example, not look, take the number, t- not using the actual facts, but let's just give them both numbers. Let's say a three-pointer, it's like a 40% chance you're going to make it, and a mid-range jumper is like a 50% chance you're going to make it. And if you mm-hmm. shoot 10 of those shots, at the end of the day, you're going to, you're going to get more points from shooting the threes than you will from the twos. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of teams look at it from that perspective. But then I went to the good old-fashioned shot tracker um, because they're a good site for analytics. And I went to go look at it, and they they had this um, chart that shows, like, the Mm -hmm. NBA percentage of field goals from each zone in, um, like, their percentages. And they were saying from – What's called the restricted area. It was like people take about thirty-five percent of their shots and everything from this. This chart from nineteen ninety-eight to two thousand eighteen, and it's mm-hmm. like the the shots that get the most that get taken the most were actually mid-range jumpers, believe it or not, um, in nineteen ninety-eight. But now it's like now there's still a high percentage of shots. Like it's like nineteen percent of the shots are still mid-range jumpers, whereas twenty-six. Yeah. Or like above, like at the like at the you know the three point line where the wing or the um the top of the key is, and then thirty two percent are in the restricted area, and it's like a good percentage is like still there, but as like the make percentage though is actually higher with the three point percentage than the mid range percentage nowadays. So it's like I don't know if it's because it's becoming um. 
more people are guarding it or is it not people are not learning to shoot it because you know like i always go back to the austin rivers because austin rivers he had a he, he was supposed to be the man he was the number one shooting guard coming out of high school he went to duke mm-hmm. did his thing he was supposed to be the top dog remember so I was looking. I always compare back to him. They always said he was a good analytical player because he shot the three. He was either a three pointer or he got straight to the basket. But he didn't know how to like he he couldn't figure out the mid range jumper. Yeah. It was either a three or like a, a layup. So I think that that's the problem with a lot of people. In the youth, you you even watch a lot of like younger people play. People want to shoot threes. They want to shoot. Or they go all the way to the paint. So the percentage of the mid-range jumper is going lower and lower because I think it's just a lost skill. People don't know. Mm-hmm. People aren't used to shooting those, so they're not comfortable with those. So they're just like, and they they just settle. They just shoot the whatever. They just shoot the three or whatever. Or if yeah. they're like, we can't get the three, we go all the way to the basket. And thinking yeah. back in my my um when I played in high school, I don't can't really remember how many mid range jumpers I actually shot. I can't really remember how many mid range jumpers anybody on our team really shot, because it was like a lot of our plays were designed to get to the three. And if we couldn't get to the three, we couldn't get the three off. It was like do a move, two dribbles, and get to the cup. You know what I mean? So yeah, I just think that's just how people are getting taught nowadays. So I think that's why. The three-point shot is more important. Well, kind of with your, um, the the thing you were saying about, like, about, like, it'd be the three-point being guarded when they know you're a three-point shooter. And it's like, there's always this thing, like, okay, there's already always a big man waiting for you in the paint. I've kind of always thought of the the mid-range shot as kind of like that in-between where it's like, you know you got people guarding the perimeter. You know you got people guarding the interior. You just get into like that middle area. You get somebody open right there. Usually it's like who who's ready to guard the mid range jump shot. You know what I'm saying? I mean it's, it's, like, it's different. Like I said, like I like you see a lot. Of, if you actually see how a lot of people play, like the big man will prepare him. So once you get past the guard, like a lot of the guards will be like they're passing them on to the big man. You know what I mean? And so the big men yeah. are waiting for them to get to the cup. So if you stop on a dime and pull up for that midi, it, it, it confuses. Like, like Russell Westbrook does that yeah. really well. Russell Westbrook does that really well where he's going full speed, gets past you, and then he pulls up the mid-range jumper. Like, Russell Westbrook is a really good mid-range shooter, but he's a horrendous three-point shooter, as we know. But yeah. but he's still effective in that mid-range area because you have to respect because it's like he gets past, he's so fast and athletic, he gets past his matchup. And he's like, okay, we have to prepare for him because he could dunk on me at any time or finish around the basket, so you got to brace yourself for that. But then when he stops and pulls up for the mid-range jumper, the big man has to make a decision. It's like either step up on me and guard the mid-range, I can dump it off to um, the big man, or I can just go all the way and dunk it or do this. Like it's, it's, it's It makes them think. So I, I, I'll... I, I'm not like most analytical heads to where I just think the mid-range jumper is useless. I, I see the value in it in situations like that. Yeah. But um, here's another stat for you, though, right here. Uh, it says, so NBA, it, was, it talks about how um, how many points per game, like the three-point produced versus the mid-range jumper. It says, so the numbers show that um, 100 mid-range jumpers will only provide about 79 points on average. Like, through it going based off the percentage of this game. However, if you shoot 100 three-pointers, it would um, provide about 105 points per game. So, yeah. you see by the numbers, it says, it just shows that there's no there's no point of it. Just just shoot the three. If, if you... Because it's a jump shot yeah, either but, way. But it's like... Who's shooting that many three pointers in a game? Realistically, the Rockets. Not a hundred, but hundred. But they shoot like fifty. Yeah, can remember that game? <laughs> was that two years ago where they missed twenty seven three pointers straight? Mm, that's crazy. Yeah, they they lost that game. But missed. see, that's they're they're on they're kind of innovators in that. Like the rest of the league isn't playing like that, right? Well, I mean, um, even the teams like the Spurs, who used to be more like in the paint and everything, or the Grizzlies, who used to be remember like the uh, what, what were they called? like the like the what was it? Um, 
Golly. What they call the Grizzlies? The Vancouver Grizzlies? No, the Grit and Grind. Was it Grit, grit and Grind? Yeah, the Grit and Grind Grizzlies. Um, like how they play inside. They were like in like in the paint players. You know, I think even yeah. the other players like they're they're on the three point line. Like the Grizzlies have changed their style. You'd be like, oh, well, Marcus Saul and all them left. Well, if you look at Marcus Saul, how he plays now, he shoots a lot more threes than he used to. And it's like yeah. nobody nobody does that style of play anymore. Even the normally like the Spurs who weren't like just big on just shooting threes. Now they're shooting a ton of threes. So it just you know what I mean? It just it just, it, it changes. Like teams are starting to adapt to it, which makes sense, but So it sounds like ultimately maybe I'm reaching here, but it seems like ultimately Whatever the the current wave is in 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 basketball, teams are going to build their their they're going to have, build their play style around what's popular in the league. Oh, so absolutely! If, you got to think when Curry yeah. came in the league, when they had that shooting point guard and he was shooting the threes and all the other stuff, and like we were talking about, like that's why I kind of that's why when I was saying he eliminated the big man, that's what I meant by that. Like he he was shooting three like. Bigs weren't the Warriors weren't playing like a big man style. Then look at where the rest of the league started doing. They stopped playing with traditional big men, and they started playing a style of basketball mm-hmm. similar, like not exactly like the Warriors, but you know they started playing similar to them. You know what I mean? There was, I get what you're saying. I feel like there was other stuff involved there, but I don't want to take away from your point. Yeah, but I, 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 I get what you mean. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm yeah. like like not necessarily like like the Warriors themselves didn't just change it like obviously over time it was changing but the Warriors kind of like you know kick-started it into like motion even more yeah well I'm what I'm thinking about is like you had a point in time where what it was like there was Shaq and you had a lot of people that were deciding to play power forward instead of playing center you had like a lot of in between like you had your Kevin Garnett's and stuff like that you had like and then it started to be like when Amari Stoudemire came in, it was like, oh, you want you a power forward that's fast and can kind of beat guys down on the block. Like he's he can just outmaneuver them because he's that agile, even though he's tall. And so it's like I think that kind of stuff kind of pushed it away instead of having like the big, slow, dominant big man towards more of the you know, you had Kevin Garnett cooking at that time, who was more agile and can that shoot mid range and Kinda can shoot the three, but not not quite. But like, yeah, you got players that can move around a little bit, and I think that kind of transitioned people out of. And on top of just like the big men that were coming into the league around that time, like the mid two thousands, like two thousand three to like two thousand like eight or whatever, you weren't getting a lot of big men that were just like great that were that old school style of big man. You I mean, were getting like a lot of. Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you're saying with the agile power forwards and stuff. But if you still look at it nowadays, that though they're not just shooting those mid range jumpers anymore. Like there's not really KGs in the league anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah, Even those kind of well, got pushed all I'm saying out. Is, yeah, all I'm saying is, I think that made it easier for what you're saying for Steph. Yeah, that's what I was like. And they had the Warriors play style to kind of be like, hey, we don't even need, we don't even need that. You well, know, yeah, because you got to think now. Like, look at the Rocket style play; they're trying to push it even more because they're trying to take from the Warriors thing. Like the Warriors are like, yeah, you don't need like a big man that can um, what's called just protect the paint. You need one that can guard all the positions and shoot the three. And then the Rockets are trying to be like, well, you don't even need a big man at all. And they started playing PJ Tucker at the five. They have a six five center, and they're like, yeah, we don't even, you don't need a big man at all. You just play like this, and then five out the whole time and shoot a bunch of threes, and even if they score in the paint, and people are like, well, they're just going to abuse the paint. It's like, well, they're taking twos, we're taking threes, so by the numbers-wise, we're going to win the game. So they're if trying to... If you make those threes. What? If you make those threes, yeah, which is yeah, the yeah, ultimate Yeah, that's a gamble. big thing. And it's like, if you make those threes, so... But that's just, that's just their mindset. They're like, yeah. And I mean, yeah, to an extent, it. it's working because you got the PJ Tucker before this break was happening was kind of balling out it's three point percentage wise. Like in those corners, in each corner, he what he had the highest percentage in the entire league. 
like from each corner. So he was doing his role effectively. They weren't really stopping. They were playing good defense too. They weren't stopping the um, paint as much as normal, but they were still playing good defense. Russell Westbrook was thriving because nobody was in the paint with him. So it's like the big man can't help because if the big man help, guess what? They got a shooter on him. And if you try to have a big man yeah. guarding Westbrook the whole time, it's like Westbrook's too fast and athletic. So they're like all offense, but um, yeah, I was just saying like yeah, five out, man. Yeah, they they going straight two K style. Two K. Because I'm like, yeah, I think what, like you're saying, like whatever's popular at the time is what people go through. That's all. Yeah. I just wanted to mention the Curry thing because that's like the most recent thing, yeah. you know. And then once yeah, Curry I mean, got it popular, has a big impact. I, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, because you got to think like while I was saying like then the Trey Youngs and everybody else started popping up, and it's just like. Everybody else starts coming around because it's like, hey, we're this. This is what we do now. We're 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 yeah. here. We're ready, and this it, is this it is what's popular. Yeah, I I, I kind of want to end with like my personal theory that the NBA is going to be like a kind of like a cycle where it's like you go from the oh yeah we're going to play a version of basketball that's just big man dominant and we just throw the ball into the pan and it kind of over time has gone into the, to this point now it's like, do you really need a big man that that's in the paint? We don't need that. And then it's going to eventually be teams that don't have a real big man at all. And then one day a team's going to be like, you know what? Be crazy. Having a big man that can actually dominate in the paint. It's just gonna keep going back and forth. Yeah, I mean, I can see that possibly happen, but I don't know because look at nowadays, a lot of six, eleven, seven footers don't even want to play big man anymore. If you look at it, yeah. a, lot, a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them don't even care to do it. A lot of them would rather just play. You got think you get people like Michael Porter Jr., who's a six ten small forward, who would rather just shoot threes. You see Jonathan Isaac, who's a six eleven. Um, small forward who's an elite shot blocker and if he had joined the league um, years before he would have been playing power forward center because he's a great shot blocker but instead he's sitting out there trying to shoot threes and being a 3 and D player and hell on the rock same with Jared Jackson good defender good shot blocker but out there shooting threes and handling the ball himself and it's like a lot of the big men like people want to be like KD they don't want to be like Dirk or Tim Duncan or anybody like that being in the yeah. paint. They want to be like KD. They're like, you see all the high school, the top players in the high school, the big men in the high school. They're not just, they're not doing that anymore. They're not trying to be like traditional bigs and everything. They're out there. Yeah. They're bringing the ball off the court for their team and shooting, pull, pulling up and shooting threes and stuff. All I'm, all I'm saying is give it like 10, 15 years. And it's going to be that one kid that's just bigger than everybody. That's just going to be like, you know what? If I just if I just go down in the paint, these kids don't know how to stop anything in the paint. I can just do whatever I want down here. You're right. He's going to go to the league, and it's going to be like, dang, a big man coming back? Oh, sh- we might need to get us a big man. Yeah, I can and see that happening at that point because cycle. if people start keep going into the way the Rockets are trying to make them go and eliminate yeah. the big man altogether, and then one person, like a dominant big, just comes out, then they're, like, they're not going to have anybody to sit there and stop them. Yeah. He's gonna make it sit there and do whatever he wants. Yeah, he gives them like, yeah, and then then twenty, thirty, forty years after that era happens, gonna they're gonna be, be like the three shooting. Yeah, they're gonna be like, well, he was playing against people that were six, eight, six, nine, or all those people were super skinny and blah 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 yeah. this and that. And it's like, well, the he same, just played who was in man. front of him. That was his style of the game. <laughs> yeah, man. I- <laughs> It's crazy because, like, what if we keep getting taller? Because they say, like, people have gotten taller over generations. Like, what if people are, like, eight feet tall, like, mm-hmm. 100 years from now? I don't know. That, that's a, that's that's just a, a silly thing. But, <laughs> yeah, uh, silly thing. yeah. No, nah, this, this was a good discussion, basketball-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to talking uh, more basketball with you and Wally um, when we get into, like, our top five greatest shooting guards podcast coming soon so um with that said uh i want to give a quick shout out to all our listeners we want to thank y'all um y'all want to follow us we have a twitter account and we have an instagram account uh we have the twitter account which is woman respecters w-o-m-a-n-r-e-s-p-e-c-t-o-r-s 
on Twitter and the IG um, we have now is Women Respecters Podcast, all one word on Instagram. Um, so yeah, we you know we'll just like we'll post the episodes, like the links and all that stuff on those. Um, but yeah, man, uh, like we say about this time, we always ask that you remember to respect women, and most importantly, you remember to always respect yourself. Wow.